Hey guys, welcome back to Mommyhood Redeemed. I'm here with my good friend Vanessa. Hey guys. And we are in 2020 now and it's been a great new year so far. How's yours been, Vanessa? It's been pretty good. It's been cold or colder than we're used to, but um, <laughs> it's going really well. We're excited to see um how the rest of the school year goes and for it to be spring (laughs) yes um but Mm -hmm. I do always just love the fresh start that the new year brings and um just anticipating what God has in store for the year and anyways we wanted to start this new year off by talking about something that we both are striving to do better this year and probably every year. And it's just something we think is good to revisit often just to check our own hearts and motivations. Um, It's easy, I think, as mothers to really get caught up in a routine and just the tasks that we need to do, the schedules, the um, to-do list, and just the mundane everyday things that we often find ourselves just living in this monotonous sometimes survival mode and wondering how are we supposed to get out of this or even wondering how on earth are we going to get everything we need to get done? Um, How can we be faithful as a daughter of the King and spend the time that we should be spending with him daily and that we want to spend with him while meeting our husband's needs and helping and serving and loving him well. And then of course, taking care of the little ones that God has entrusted to us and training up in the way that they should go. Some of us are homeschooling on top of that, cooking and cleaning, maintaining our own health and fitness, and the list just goes on and on and on. I know sometimes I feel definitely overwhelmed and just like, let me just survive the day. But (laughs) mamas, we are here to encourage you and tell you that that's not what the Lord has for us. He doesn't want us to just survive or to live for the next nap time or bedtime. He wants us to exhaust the depths of his grace that he has for us, the riches of his resources and his blessings, and to really live life to its fullest and to enjoy every single moment, whether it's mundane or not, that he's given to us. Um, Last year, I wrote an article that we... um, linked, I think, in one of our blog posts or something that was featured on Risen Motherhood. And we were just talking about enjoying motherhood and what that means to really have joy. And it just hit my heart hard as I realized how often I had fallen prey to my own flesh. And I think the enemy is just trying to deceive me um, of sucking the joy out of this precious gift that the Lord had entrusted me with of being a mother. And I think my type A task-oriented personality or Enneagram number one um, had just (laughs) driven me to live some days in a way that really was not honoring to the Lord um, and was not fulfilling the calling that God had given me and was not even joyful for myself um, and ultimately not living for his glory. And what I came to realize was that what was wrong was that my priorities were out of whack. My to-do list was superseding God's to-do list for me. And to be honest, I still often have to recheck just to make sure that what I'm investing my time and energy in is what God would have me investing my time and energy in. 
And the truth is, if we are fulfilling the calling that God has given us obediently unto him, there is a lot of joy to be found in that, even in those mundane moments. That's so true. And so how do we prioritize our lives when there really is so much to do? And, you know, of course, in a biblical way, it would be wise for us to look at examples of those who have went before us, biblical ones and those in the church. It is evident that people like Paul and Daniel and Moses, Jonathan Edwards, and even Jesus himself, when he walked on the earth, made time with the God, their number one priority. And we would be called to do the same. The longest chapter in the Bible is Psalm 119. And that chapter is all about the word of God. These are lessons for us in the great Psalm. Um, 2 Timothy 3, 15 through 17, the word of God is sufficient to make us wise, train us in righteousness, and equip us for every good work. The scriptures are a reflection of God's nature. And from them, we learn that we can trust his character and his plan and purposes for mankind, even when those plans include affliction and persecution. Psalm 1, 2. Blessed indeed are we if we if our delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law we meditate day and night. If we spend time on a daily basis reading, studying, meditating, and memorizing his word, it is going to transform who we are from the inside out. All those resolutions we're striving to accomplish this year, they start here. We cannot transform ourselves externally unless the work is being done on the inside. And that begins with the word of God being rooted in our hearts. His word is what changes us. Is it a fruit of the spirit you are desiring to grow in? A sin you're wanting to put off? Read his word. Let it saturate your mind and heart and transform who you are. And with being in the word comes prayer. Jesus himself would pull away and spend time talking to his father. And that too needs to be top priority for us. We need to cultivate that relationship with the father by talking to him and having that sweet fellowship. So priority one is spending time with him. It seems simple enough, but I bet often if you are like us, it becomes a priority that gets pushed to the back burner. There's so much more to do. So other many other things, this can wait. But you guys, it's the most important. Our flesh is weak and the enemy wants nothing more than to have us not spend time with him. There's a spiritual battle at hand and we must be on guard. Spend time with Jesus as often as you can. It will change your life. Yes, this is so important. I think that we often forget that our first and foremost identity is in Christ and not in a role that he's given us. But after prioritizing, obviously, our relationship with the Lord, the next thing that we should prioritize is our calling to be a helpmate to our husbands. Yes, even before our children, before our homes, before our hobbies, comes our role to be fulfilled as a wife. Um, I think the reality is that it's just easy to be selfish in this area because our husbands, unlike our children, can fend for themselves. Uh, we can reason with them in a way so we can kind of get what we want, something that we can't really do with our kids. And so a level of selfishness can often exist in this relationship with our spouse that 
sometimes isn't even seen as sinful, even though it is. But the man that God made for you to do life with has to be a top priority. After God, he comes next. And it takes time, it takes investment, and it takes hard work to be faithful and loving, serving, and helping our husbands. Are we on our knees for them? Do we pray not only for their physical protection, but their spiritual protection? Are we helping them as they seek to lead our families? And what does that even look like practically in our day-to-day lives? I read a blog by Liz Wan um, on Desiring God, and she said, both wives and husbands are being shaped into the image of Christ in marriage. When we leave the altar on our wedding day, our husbands won't be perfectly be like Christ for us. God uses marriage itself to sanctify wives and husbands so that they can be like Christ to each other. It might take many years of sanctifying marriage for a husband to learn Christ-like headship, and even then it will still be imperfect. And wives as helpmates come alongside their husbands in this unfinished work. So practically, I think we can remind them daily of God's grace in their life. We should be their greatest encourager on a daily basis. We should be the ones reminding them of truth, whether we send them a scripture in a text or a note in their lunch, um, sending them maybe a sermon to listen to or a blog article or asking them specifically, hey, how can I pray for you today? Or knowing them so well that you know exactly what they need prayer for. And then, of course, asking hard questions. Um, And I think along these same lines, um, you know, those things are some of the things that both my husband and I try to do on a regular basis, whether we are, you know, shooting a text to each other of a verse that we have read in our own personal devotion that we thought might encourage the other one. Um, I know often I'll send him a text of a verse that I'm kind of confused by what it means to see what he thinks about it. Um, we might chat about, you know, what is the Lord teaching us or growing us in, um, in our, you know, day-to-day lives and our devotions. Again, we send each other blogs or podcasts or articles that we think might be helpful or encouraging to each other. Um, we try to connect every night and just talk about intentional things, um, in the Lord that we can pray for each other for, or for our children for, or a marriage or whatever it might be. And then also going through a devotional together that we try and do each night um, before we go to bed, something simple and short, but where we can really get in the word together and um, pray together and really just doing what's um, our first and foremost calling, which is spending time with the Lord, but together. And this takes so much intentionality and so much um, just, I guess, effort to really do because the enemy does not want this to happen. And I think that's why oftentimes, you know, it does get pushed to the side and we don't try and we just say, oh, you know, I'm too tired or whatever, because it is a battle. It is a battle to do that, but it is so important. And then along those same lines, we need to be praying for our husbands specifically Um, We know them so well, or we should at least, but we should be their students and we probably know where they're weak and we can pray for them in their weaknesses and try and help them in those areas. And we know where they're strong and we can pray that God would use them and their strengths for his glory. And then obviously being a helpmate and loving our spouses requires us to die to ourselves daily. You know, the only way that we can truly walk out our calling as a wife is 
to die to ourselves, and that's despite our own hurts and frustrations. God wants us often to forbear um, the little things that might bother us that aren't sinful, but just little things that that we can just look over mm-hmm. and cover with grace. And this is our ultimate call as believers to daily crucify our flesh so that Christ may live fully through us. And when Christ is living through us, we get to experience the surpassing greatness of his power. Kim Tate said, God knows we cannot be the wives he calls us to be in our own strength. And thankfully, he doesn't expect us to be. When self gets out of the way, his spirit takes over, infusing us with immense grace and strength. And we're able to pray when we're tired of praying and to love when the feeling eludes us. So grace highlights ways here that we can encourage and seasons our speech and quiets our spirit. It's all because of what Jesus has done in our hearts that enables us to do this. And as we wait on Jesus to answer our prayers for our husbands, his grace is going to keep our eyes fixed on him. He is our good shepherd. He is the one that we're ultimately following. And here lies an eternal treasure. As we walk in obedience to our calling as wives, we find ourselves in blessed fellowship with the Lord. That's awesome. And next, we need to be prioritizing the role we are called to as mothers to disciple and train up our children in the way they should go. Do we see ourselves as our children's best example of Christ or most important? You cannot train them up in the way they should go if you aren't even walking in the way you should. We must not be hearers of the word, but also doers. Like Paul, we need to be a spiritual figure who our kids look up to. You, Second uh, Timothy 3, 10 through 11 and 14, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. And Christine Chapel said, For Paul, living in the light of redemption meant inviting others into his personal journey with Jesus. Because he totally relied upon Christ's righteousness for acceptance before God. He wasn't ashamed to speak of his zealous path. Paul's deepest desire was to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Paul kept Christ's work in his life, in his life front and center. And so can we, even our young children can benefit from observing what faith in action really looks like in all of its highs and lows. Christian motherhood isn't about personifying perfection. It's about learning to be an imitator of Christ who loved us and gave us himself and welcoming our children into the process. The new life we've received from Jesus becomes a new love we get to pour into our children. It blesses them, benefits us, and most importantly, brings glory to God. Our faithful pursuit of taking pleasure in Jesus is the best witness we can offer our family. By taking the time to share how God is working in our lives, we attract our children to the larger story of God's redemption. If Jesus is the gift that keeps on giving, what a better way to share that treasure than by inviting our children to come and see for themselves. So kind of on a 
normal day when all of our family are home together. Um, we do talk about the Lord quite a bit and what he's doing in our lives. And um, when my kids are kind of off playing and my husband and I are talking about the good things that God's doing, um, <laughs> my boys have always gotten really excited to come over and share their stories. And sometimes they're, they go something like this. The sunrise this morning was painted by God. It was so cool. Mm-hmm. And yes, my, my kids are always awake before the sunrise, but I'm glad they get to experience this handiwork. And we do talk about that or something like this. God gave me popsicles and I love them. Uh (laughs) And it totally like it's, it is, you know, and it's, it really does put a smile on our faces and it reminds us to be thankful and joyful in the little things the Lord blesses us with. I love that. So sweet and so true. (laughs) Kids have such simple faith that is Mm -hmm. just something to be emulated. So what about everything else that we need to do and that we want to do in life? Where do these things fall on the priority list? After the things that Lauren and I have talked about, just your relationship with God, your husband, and then your kids, the priorities um, after that, they just fall into place. So yes, of course, taking care of your home is part of loving your husband and children, but we have to find the balance. We never want to let the need to have a spotless house and clean dishes or vacuum floors replace the need your children have for you. Not advocating that you should just leave your house, you know, a complete disaster, but just pray that God would help you find that balance of, okay, this needs to get done and it's good for my kids to see that hard work is good and cleaning our home and taking care of our things is a good thing, but never to the neglect of your children. And yes, meal planning and grocery shopping and laundry, those are also all ways that we help our husband and we love and serve him and our children. But we never want to let those responsibilities and duties leave us so exhausted that you know, at the end of the day, when our husband comes home and wants to spend time with us, we have nothing left to give to him. And mm-hmm. exercise, another thing, it's good and it's healthy and we should strive to take care of our bodies. But if that becomes a top priority and something, let's say that, you know, you're willing to get up early and do that, but not willing to spend time with the Lord or something. Um, we need to really check our hearts and make sure that it's put mm-hmm. in its proper place, you know practical ways, not just with exercise, but just for this, for example, are there ways that maybe you could incorporate exercising with your husband or your children? Or maybe, you know, when you're exercising, maybe that's when you pray or that's when you meditate on the word of God, um, listening to a sermon or a podcast. And what about hobbies and me time or girl time? Those are all okay and even good things. But again, they have to be in their proper place and time. I think if anything we can learn from this, we can learn that when we prioritize what God prioritizes, we're going to be richly blessed and bring him so much glory. And when we're living for eternity and not that here and now, um, those are the things that are going to last forever. And those are really the things that we should be investing our time and energy in. Um, I remember listening to a sermon once and they said, the only two things that you can take to heaven with you are yourself and relationships. And that's it. So make sure your heart's right before the Lord and make sure that those relationships that God has given you are ones that you pour into and you point to him. Matthew 6, 21 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And this is so true of what we make a priority in our lives. 
It totally is. And may we continually check our hearts, our motivations, our goals, our priorities in life and align them with what the Lord finds most profitable and glorifying to him. When we walk in step with the spirit leading in our lives, spirits leading in our lives in obedience to his word, we will find true joy and satisfaction in all those things that seem so important before and may have been prioritized incorrectly will find their proper place. Amen. So thanks so much for listening today. And we look forward to continuing on this journey with you as we all seek to redeem mommyhood every day for God's glory through the power of the gospel.